opening was for this. We said it every single time. I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you remember what it was? Well, your what you said every single time. But the the old open was another big week, another big podcast. That was your favorite. That was your Loved go to. It. But and we another big guest. No. Yeah. We, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just another podcast because we're back. We're back on track. This is we're two for two. But we're not alone. Who do we have with us? We got to welcome back the football boys. We had Murph on last week. We have Tomes and Mr. Ryan Coble back this week. We uh, we got some post draft stuff we want to talk about. We uh, we we think it'll be fun. What's up, boys? Welcome back. Thanks for having yeah, us. Nice to be back. We got a couple off topics, um, but let's start with this one, Ryan. The horses were running on the weekend. Yeah. Did you enjoy the Derby? as much as the amount of money I lost. I, I enjoyed the Derby. I lost, I lost too. I didn't, I, I liked Medina spirit, but you know, I didn't have Medina spirit anywhere in my ticket. So, um, you know, he, in, it, I thought that Medina spirit was a good horse. I didn't realize that I really didn't think he was going to win. He, he's, he's been too inconsistent leading up to the Derby. I think essential quality was clearly the fastest horse. He just ran a bad race and had terrible lines. The guy was like six yeah. lengths outside. Going well, I mean, down that's, the yeah, that's, I mean, essential qualities, that's what he does, right? He's like a pace pusher. So he, he kind of sits in like third or fourth place. Through, through but the he was race too damn wide. Field. I'm okay with third or fourth place, but he was so, I, I was so yeah. mad, man. Like I'm sitting there. I got, I got essential quality I, and I do this every year. I take the favorite and I make it. So if the favorite wins, I win a little bit of money. But I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna lose on it. Yeah. And I have a couple long shots to do a little bit, and I'm like Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert. Am I gonna fade this? And I'm like, yeah. I'm just gonna leave it alone. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, like I said, but Medina Spirit's been super inconsistent leading up. In the in in the Santa Anita Derby, his last race, he was not very impressive. He finished second, but he was like uh, very. Um, he, he he dragged down the stretch. So I, I don't know. I, I thought I, I didn't think he was going to win. I mean, I thought he had a chance, but you know, to me, you got to respect Bob Baffert though. Cause Bob Baffert does the same thing. Every, every Derby, he gets one horse. It's pretty good. And he sticks him in front. So he, Medina Spirit got in front early and basically said, try and catch me. Yep. And that's what they do every time. And, and the same thing happened with authentic last year. I had a weird one. Well, the one in 19 still guts me where they called the illegal uh, the illegal ruling where he came over that one. Yeah. Maximum security. That one kills me. I was like just <laughs> cheering. And then all of a sudden it's an hour and 20 minutes. Tom's, did you watch? So I know I was... Ian, I know Ian did not. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I, I was having a long day. So I finally got a chance to sit down watching the pre-race. I'm like, okay, perfect. Finally, you know, the race is going to start in about five minutes. And I sit down on the couch and I just laid vertical for a second. And by the time I woke up, I saw them putting the sash around the jockey's, you know, neck and everything. I missed the entire race. <laughs> but you were asleep for two minutes and 30 seconds? I, I fell asleep for, yeah, like not even, like like three minutes, I think I was out cold. And I heard something, and I just looked up. I was like, oh, my God, I can't play. I missed the race. After watching the entire pre-show for 58 minutes, I missed the race. Didn't he set a, a, a record? Though, Wasn't it the fastest, fastest lap ever? Oh, Who's Usain that? bolded it. I'm pretty sure Medina had the. Was it? Did he not? The fastest Derby? No. Yeah, I thought he did. Really? No, I don't think so. It's so then it's still Secretary? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think secretary. Okay. So then maybe I audience. maybe I got way too deep into a deep dive after, and I was just like, someone was like, everyone who thinks these horses are worth a damn, make sure you watch Secretariat and like, because this guy just just rinses everyone. The one I will say is, I I I don't know any, a lot about horses, but for some reason, as I like was scrolling through the odds first thing in the morning, like still asleep, I saw Mandaloon. I was like, I should bet that guy, and obviously yeah. I took him to win. <laughs> Mandaloon is the same thing though. Mandaloon is the same thing going in. Super inconsistent. I I, I like known agenda. But Known Agenda had the number one post. Yeah. So, you know, I was, if, if, no, if, and I mean, and they changed the way that the gates start happen now. The gates are a little bit tighter. So I thought that maybe you can get by with a one post winning, but it's, it's just too hard coming out of the, out of the one post. All right. Enough about the horses. Ian, <laughs> I can go on forever. I know. I know. This is great. This is great. We should actually have you on before the Derby so that you yeah. can help us win some money, even though you lost everything. Um, Ian, we got two choices. I'll let you dictate where we want to go with this. We were going to ask the boys about their teams from the 2021 NFL draft. And boys, there's, we're going to go for the main topic here, guys. It's going to be a little bit different. It's, not, it's going to be some awards, kind of fun things to think about coming out of this draft. And I personally focus mostly on the first round because that's my breadth of knowledge in this subject. If you guys want to go deeper and Ryan wants to call out a name, that sixth round pick that went to Cincinnati Bengals and how he's going to revolutionize the franchise completely fine. But Ian, do you want to talk about their teams first or do you want to dive right into the main topic? I think that we need, I think we need to discuss what happened with Philadelphia and Cincinnati because where both those teams are is, I mean, at a bit of a crossroads, like for Philadelphia, you think you have probably a little more rope and a little more line than, than they would in Cincinnati. But, you know, these are, these are two teams that need to make good decisions after, you know, you know, for Philadelphia, you know, caught lightning in a bottle one year and then, you know, sort of fell off, whether that's through drafting or not addressing needs or Carson Wentz regression, whatever the case for Cincinnati, you've been, you know, I think, you know, under Marvin Lewis, solid, never great, but solid. I think that franchise sort of gets shit on a little too, little too much considering how successful they were under, uh, under Marvin. So, but for them, new regime, but it's not too new. You know what I'm saying? So they, they needed to get this right. Both teams need to get this right. And I think for the most part, both of them did. I'll, I'll start with Cincinnati, you know, and, and then we'll jump to Ryan and then, you know, I'll give some thoughts on Philly, but you know, I, I think Cincinnati, you know, there are a lot of old heads, particularly that are that were, you know, on draft coverage. And I, we watch ESPN. So Booger was the one. And, you know, he's talking about how Cincinnati made this terrible choice, passing up the tackle and, and taking chase. And I can see Ryan shaking his head and I'm in agreement. Right. Like, you know, let's say let's say Sewell's a what a B plus a minus tackle. You know, are you going to pass up, you know, and all but, you know, pits and chase are those guaranteed players in the entire draft. I mean, these are potential all pros. You just don't pass up those guys. So I loved the, I loved the fortitude of Cincinnati to stand pat and then address those needs later. I mean, we went through Cincinnati's draft today, wide receiver, offensive tackle, D end center, D end kicker. Like they were addressing everything else. Chase was just the best guy. Uh, am I right on saying that Ryan? I a I hundred percent agree. And, and I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to get into, offensive line talk a little bit on a podcast but i think in this in this situation you kind of have to because that was the argument right it was you know burrow got hurt last year the offensive line wasn't good um but this was a very deep draft 
in the offensive line and the Bengals still drafted three. Um, and to me, you're looking at a, not just a good prospect wide receiver. You're looking at a potentially generational prospect right. wide receiver. Like, I mean, in, in his numbers and he sat out last year. So I think people kind of forget how good he was. He, he was, he was ahead of Justin Jefferson for a reason. He we was all just clearly just Justin dominate clearly better. So, and, and just, I mean, just for comparison. So Devonta Smith won the Heisman last year. Devonta Smith had about 1850 yards and 23 touchdowns. There's going to be no Devonta Smith slander on this podcast. I'm not, this isn't slander. I, all, all I'm doing is I'm comparing chase in 2019 when he had 1780 yards and 20 touchdowns and Joe Burrow. I mean, but they're both, yeah. And Joe I'm not, I mean, both, I'm not both disagreeing with that fucking Jones. Both okay? legendary teams, though. Both yes, legendary absolutely. teams. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And, and like, in the, in the 2019 National Championship game, Jamar Chase had nine catches, 221 yards, and two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, in the last years. game he played. Yeah, it was <laughs> Against Clemson. And it's just. Don't, like his, My only note on, on Cincinnati, Ryan, because I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we have to move to Tom's. Tom's. The only thing I would have liked to see Cincinnati do is what um, is what is what other teams did, which was trade, which is what the Jets did, which was trade back up. So, so the Jets took Zach Wilson, right, and then they used the second pick of the second round and some other stuff to move up, to move up. And I think they used actually no, they used the Jamal Adams pick twenty three, but they used it to move up to go get Vera Tucker, right? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen Cincinnati. You know, and I think Minnesota was taking Darisaw regardless of where they right. picked. Yeah. But I would have liked to have seen them use 34 or whatever they had, 35, 36, maybe some extra stuff, and go get one of those tackles. With that yeah. said, now, they must feel like the guy they got in the, in the second was very close in grade to Darisaw not worth the extra ammo. I personally yeah. just would have liked them to see it go back up. You know, I mean, like, like I can't speak for how good these offensive linemen are in comparison to each other. So I, I, I don't know. I, everything I've heard is that they really liked this Jackson Carmen and they were comfortable moving down, gaining more picks and him still being there. And what I think was good about Jackson Carmen is he's more guard. So now because they signed Riley Rife, yeah, they, they signed Riley uh, Rife, um, offensive tackle to play on the right side. Um, and he's, he, he can sit there for a year or two. He's, always been pretty good in pass protection. And now they slide Jackson Carmen in that guard. And now all of a sudden you've upgraded your offensive lineman in two spots rather than just drafting another tackle to kind of double up what you signed in free agency. So now you've got Rife there who can just sit there for a year or two and you've got another draft to go and get a tackle. And they, and they took a tackle in the fourth round too. So maybe, maybe he's the long-term answer. I have no idea. But to me, the offensive line is – is more improved than people think. And, you know, and then you add in Jamar Chase, who just makes that offense potentially ridiculous. And I think the most important thing is going to be Joe's knee, right? What, what is yeah, that 100%. going to be when it comes back? But while... I think one, one last note on Cincinnati, Sean. Sorry. Hmm? Joe Mixon. He matters. That, yeah. especially without Gio Bernard, that dude matters, and they need like I'm not gonna say that a running back should run the offense. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. Okay, but Mixon provides them with balance, and it means no. Joe's not dropping back there 60 times a game. You give like him Chris, a chance. They need Mixon. You don't like Chris Evans. You don't like Chris Evans. 
Chris in Michigan. Well, I, I mean, and you and you know who, who who matters for runners for running backs is guards, right? They're gonna they're they're, they're the ones that, that pull, and they're the ones that open up holes up the middle. So you know if you get really athletic guards, then you, your running game is gonna be a lot better. So some people would argue that Trey Lance was the first off the board pick, but I think you know you heard it on the from the stands podcast from Ian that every tea leaves every tea leaf was pointing to Trey Lance. The real maybe pick was gonna be between Sewell and Jamar Chase. But, Tomes, take us through the most exciting 15 minutes of the draft, not even debatable, which was the 10th and 11th pick. And give us the buildup, because Philly didn't start at 12. Well, obviously, we started higher in the draft originally with the with the pick that the uh, we traded um, with Miami. To, you know, to help, I don't know, I guess bulk for, for more picks for next year's draft, which is a whole different conversation. But You, you weren't know, pick- thrilled at the time. No, I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled at the time because I thought, you know what, maybe we can do a quicker turnaround on this, but maybe this is it's, sort of... It's the right decision. No, no, no. At the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, you, you look at it two ways. You look at it as a cycle fan like myself, you get upset. And then you take a step back and you actually analyze things and you're like, shit, you know what? Like there's, there's a lot of positives that can come out of this. Right. JC, especially, JC if Horn, are, especially Horn if they are ahead of schedule. Yeah. Right. With, with, and with Hertz build, could be good. Right. Then you have that, that, those picks to use for, you know, for trade opportunities, you know, for moving down in the draft next year. And, you know, it all, it all depends on how, on how this year goes. But when I sat there and, and Dallas was on the clock and, JC Horn had just gone. And the Sertan, corners went, Sertan, right? Sertan went too. I'm like, okay, <laughs> is Jerry Jones going to pick another receiver here again <laughs> just for the jersey sales? Right? He's already got an 88, you know? So I'm just thinking, what could what could they really do here? And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was staying off Twitter. I was I didn't want to go on. I didn't want to know anything ahead of time, right? I, I wanted it to Agreed. be natural. Let it, let it build, you know, the, the NFL draft is such a momentous thing. You want to, you want to be entertained by it, right? And then when you see that there's a trade to be announced, I'm like, who could this be? And when the rumors started flying around, it was Philly. I'm like, okay, two things first. One, how is this even possible that Philly and Dallas – these rivals right. are making trades with each other. With the Giants sandwiched with in the, the middle Giants of the Giants sitting right there, right? And you know the Giants want to go to receive it, obviously. And and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, so it's with them. Oh, what oh, is we'll this get trade to them for? taking receiver. Don't you worry. Oh, we'll I, I, got, I got something to talk about there, too. Ridiculous. But then I'm like, oh, my God, how, how much of a ransom did how we pay to Jerry? Right? It ended up costing them that, that, um, third, round pick. that third round pick. Yeah, see ya. And I call you, and you're like, I cannot talk right now. Do not call me. I, I can't fr- talk. Dude, I and I'm like, out. and I'm like, dude, like they're gonna take Smith. And you're like, but if they take Justin Fields, I can't buy another jersey. Oh well, no, I can't. Because <laughs> so, so, I'm already it, debating whether or not to buy a number one Jalen Hurts now, right? I thought you already had it. And, and look, I have a number two Jalen Hurts. Oh, okay, okay. He's switching. That here's the thing, right? The Eagles guy always felt like it was Smith. Right. I think if they stayed, I think part of the reason they moved down from six is because they knew what Ryan knew. Right. And what Ryan knew is that Cincinnati was taking chase. Yep. Right. There was, you know, there was Sewell buzz in the beginning, but you know, anyone that was sort of tapped in had already zeroed in on chase. So if you're sitting at six, 
you know, they're reading the tea leaves. They're seeing, okay, Waddle's making his move up the board. Smith may be the third guy. We may be able to get him at 12. Those corners go boom, boom, eight and nine. That changed right. Everything. Horn and Sertan, they know it changes the game. And the Giants were ready to pounce on Smith. Oh, absolutely. So they jump up, they make their change. But I think for Philly, they got their guy. And, and that's the part that matters. And, and that's why trading down was smart because what we've seen from teams like the Jets this year, Miami this year, when you have that extra ammo, it means you can get into different conversations, right? It, it means you can get into the conversation of, you know, Deshaun Watson's available. Well, Miami and New York are the obvious choices, right? Like having that extra ammo really matters for that situation. Now, Philadelphia has the most draft capital in 2022 than any other team. Mm-hmm. That is valuable. And if Hertz is good, I, I, again, I don't know. You did your best. You got him as old buddy from Alabama when Hertz yeah. was at Alabama. If Hertz is good, you are laughing. You're in yeah, the same you've, position. You've also, you've also added another layer to your offense now and another weapon for him, right? To help better him as well, too. You're so, giving him a chance. Yeah. And I think that that just showed, too, by them not taking, you know, a quarterback or moving up to get fields like people were talking about is, you know what? Hey, we can get our guy that we want, A, and B. You know what? We do believe in, in, in Jalen Hurts, and we, we're going to roll with this. And I think – I'd like to hope that, that, you know, Nick Sirianni played a big part of that as well, coming in and whatever offense they're putting together, I'm assuming, you know, it's going to, it's going to be benefiting, you know, hurts the most. Really quick before we move, Ryan, are you okay with Philly getting the best receiver in the draft at 10? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) No, Ryan, quickly, 30 seconds, 30 seconds on Devonta Smith. I like Devonta Smith. I mean, I don't think he's as good as the other two, but I think there's a big gap between him and everybody else. I think these three wide receivers are all. Hold on. The other two being Pitts and Chase or, or Chase? Waddle, 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 Waddle. Oh, Waddle God, no, please, no. Oh, Henry Ruggs the fifth. <laughs> well, we didn't give Ryan his 30 seconds on Devonta Smith like we promised because Sean couldn't help himself. With that said, I think it's time we get to the main event here. Absolutely. Let's get there. So we're going to throw out some, like I said, awards, topics, kind of fun little things that we want to talk about from the draft. And we were going to start negative, but I just went negative on Ryan. So let's start positive. The first one that we're going to talk to talk to um, we're going to talk about is the player that we are automatically rooting for. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone saw the stories afterwards, the calls, the, the people walking up, the stories, everything. So who, Ryan, is the player that you're automatically rooting for? Ideally, it doesn't play for your own football team. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's Ohio State. Guy. I'm, a, I'm an Ohio State guy and Bengal guy. The, the, the one that kind of popped out at me, and I thought he'd go a lot higher in the draft, he went fourth last pick <laughs> of the draft, was Kylan Hill. And he, he got drafted fourth last pick of the draft to Green Bay. And I will tell you why I'm rooting for him, because he – Last summer, he went out of his way and he made potentially the biggest statement to get the state flag of Mississippi changed. Um, and he threw himself out there and, and he, with, with one tweet, he, he got people talking about it and it was a big deal in Mississippi. And last November, the, the flag got changed. So to me, he, he went out of his way to do that and I have a ton of respect for him, and, and I was glad to see him get drafted eventually and hopefully he does well. Amazing. 
Yes, wow. sir. Absolutely, wow. Ryan. Wow. Absolutely. I honestly thought that you were going like, like I said, the obscure player off the board. Wow. No way. Wow. Uh, should, we, should we end the pod here? Great answer. No, I mean, he, he look, he, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And, and I, I think that's the beauty of the draft, though, right? You sort of get – now, that is a completely different situation. You're attached to a guy because that is a special human being that you want all the success for, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's many guys on this list that you're like, screw that guy. I hope he doesn't succeed, you know? So, but But someone like that is at a different level. And we're rooting, we're rooting for them for a multitude of reasons, not just in football, but in life. Um, with, with, with that said, you know, there are two guys that it really came down to for me on this. Um, but I got to go Justin Fields. You know, it, it was between two guys. And if, he, and if the second guy doesn't get mentioned, I, I want to give him a little, little shout Circle out. Circle back. I'm proud of you. But I'm proud of you. Justin Fields dropped in the draft for very, very questionable reasons. I, I think, you know, there are genuine concerns about not about how he processes the read, but of how he gets to read two. And, and I think, again, I, I think Ryan's the Ohio State guy. He may be able to chime in more on that, but I, I do think that, you know, some of that stuff is valid, but the stuff about him not working hard, and all that other stuff, you don't get to be Justin Fields, right? That level of player at both Georgia and Ohio State, two gigantic programs, have that level of success in college sports. And because you don't work hard, you know what I'm saying? Like that raw stuff only takes you so far. And this is a kid that was number two on everybody's board at the beginning of the season. He was a guy who was going to challenge Trevor Lawrence for number one. And all of a sudden this, you know, these sort of things keep coming out and, and he slides. Add in the fact, now I'm not a Bears fan. I largely can't stand the Bears, but this is a fran- one of the all-time great franchises that ha- has not had a good quarterback maybe in its history. And Fields has a chance. And if Fields can become a Chicago icon, he'll be remembered forever. And I just think that's so, so dope. So the- Fields is my guy. And has a receiver he's teaming up with that you love to cheer for as well. Not just you in general, football fans in general. Tom's who is the guy that you yeah, love, I mean, love to cheer for? Fields was my pick as well, Ian. I mean, like, you just, you know, as, as a fan of the sport, like you said, you don't have to be a Bears fan, right? But just a fan of the sport, you love what he brings. You know, his athleticism, his 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 his, his demeanor, the way he cares. Yeah, I mean, everything about that guy is what I look at him and I'm like, that is what I want in my, in a player on my team. And this is what I, and I think it's nothing but greatness for the league. You want more and more guys like this, right? He's going to be an electric player. He's going to be very fun to watch. Uh, and I'm going to be, you know, deep down, I'm, you know, like I said, same with me. I'm not a Bears fan. I don't care for any other NFC team, NFC team, but I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do well. I want to, I see, want to him see that guy dominate great, people. Yeah. And make I want them to see him stupid. have a great career. Yeah, right. Me too. But just to add, I mean, if, if I'm going to pick someone else and again, not not because I'm a Philly guy, but it, but for me, honestly, it, it was just seeing uh, getting Landon Dickerson getting picked and, and hey, coming to Philly. Right. You know, this is a guy tears his ACL and and it was a very you know memorable moment in, in the national championship game when, when they put him out for, you know, I don't even think it was a series. I think it might have been, been one snap. Right. And. This is a guy that's coming off an injury. He's going to potentially take over for the great Jason Kelsey one day. And 
hey, listen, I'm I'm happy he's on my team, right? He's if he's healthy, he's elite. This is a top ten guy if he's healthy. You guys all had way better answers than I have. Um, but I'm gonna go with Zayvon Collins, and mm. I just Tulsa the phone call. He the phone call got me. I, it's just yeah, it I'm great. sorry, like I, it got me. Played at Tulsa, so played in Arizona. He's from Oklahoma, but you know, it's not an Arizona kid. But just like I, when I heard that, I, I just want that guy on my football team. I and do. to give everyone context, the, a lot of the teams they post their first round calls, and they posted Zavin's call, and he's talking to Coach Cliff Kingsbury. He's coach. He's talking to Steve Klein, the GM, talking to the owner, to the and owner, he's yeah. talking about how like he's excited to go. He's excited to go like win a championship and like fuck people up. And just give me that energy, particularly in a linebacker. Like, I'm in. Loved it. I'm in. That's why the linebacker was like, I, I just, let's go kill people, coach. Like, I was, yeah. yeah how how awesome were those phone calls that were being released? Amazing. I was like, trying just to see the Michael Parsons one. Like, just to see that stuff behind the scenes. I mean, these guys are are training for this their whole life. And it's it's just, it's an amazing, they're amazing moments, right? It was it was awesome. I was trying to think of the other one. Um, was it Was it the long snapper? It was like, I'll walk there right now. I, mm-hmm. That might have been Arizona as well. I can't remember, but there was another one. Those calls get me. They, they get me. And then seeing Detroit draft Sewell and the yeah, GM just absolutely losing his mind. Mm-hmm. I love Like By the way, one honorable mention. I'm cheering for, by the way, I'm cheering for all these guys. I will say, I did have a guy I'm not cheering for award. It's Mac Jones. Like, that dude can get bent. Like, his walk, in, his entrance was atrocious. The dude looks like me with his shirt off. I should cheer for him, but adding the fact that he plays for the Patriots, I'm not. I hope that he plays has a long career, makes a good amount of money, maybe is a middling backup. But I, I don't need him on my screen with his hunchback and the whole thing. I'm out. I'm out. Mac Jones. I'm out. By the way, I want to get to that, but one quick shout out of the people I'm rooting for. Devonta Smith is one of them. Yes, he fell in too. the draft because yep. he's undersized and all this other nonsense. Here, the fact is this: it doesn't matter how big he is if he's always open. If he's always open. It doesn't matter what ha- what size it is, you know. And I, I I'm just rooting for that dude. I hope he goes out there and dominates. I really do because watching that dude in college was a pleasure. So Sean alluded to it. Let's get to the next one. And who do we want to fail the most? Who was the biggest mistake, right, Ian? Well, I want to get to that. But of all these. Uh, you mentioned Mac Jones. Okay, who's so you want to, oh, was, let's pivot. Okay. Yeah, who's a guy that you pi- that was picked and you're like, for whatever reason, ugh, you football hate. You don't hate him as a person, but you football hate. Mac Jones, Jones. Mac I'm Jones. Not, what I'm about not. you, Ryan? I, I'm not sure there's really anybody. I mean, if the easy one for me is a guy like Quiddy Pay or <laughs> just anybody from Michigan. Just I, I, don't, I don't care if they're good at any point. Um, Najee Harris, now that he's a Steeler, I, oh, yeah. you know, I hope I hope he meets you know, Jermaine Pratt in the, in the middle of the field. Although Jermaine Pratt's probably going to lose that one. Probably. <laughs> but, or Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates can, can handle Najee for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that I'm just really sitting here thinking, I hope they don't succeed. Tom? And honestly, Quiddy not- Pay, and Quiddy Pay, you know, where he came from and his whole story. Unbelievable story. Unbelievable, Unbelievable story. Yeah. So I you can't I, you can't root against that guy. Stop. No, I mean he picked a horrible school, but still, I, I'm I, you know, he's a great story. Yeah, for me, it's not that I don't want him to succeed. It's just it's the fact that he's gonna be playing this division for a long, long time. And that's Mika Parsons. 
Like I do not want to have to see that guy two times a year for that however so many scary. years it's going to be, man. Like he's so scary. He is. Like, a, Jalen oh Hurts going to try and hit the hit the. He's going to try and get the edge. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean, I'm not looking forward to and that. He really <laughs> wants to be a cowboy. Yeah, yeah you can tell. Really you can tell. You can tell when he got picked, man. Like. He's like, oh, okay, this is this is going down. We got a good class. We got a good running back. Or no, sorry, we got a good linebacker room there. You know, and he started going Serious, off yeah. and talking about it, and especially with um, with uh, with Lee retiring this year or this Sean offseason. retired. Yeah. He's, he's retired. Yeah, here too. So you know, this is hey, let's slot in the next guy here, and that's that. I mean, one thing I did want to say, not that it's I hate it, but it's like a mistake again. This is the way I look at it. Is is Mike Mick and John Gruden just thinking they are smarter than everybody else in the world? Draft <laughs> after draft, and that's what the the, the Alex Leatherwood pick. I, I oh, I'm going to get to that. I thought you... it was like, like come on, every time like Darishaw was available, Jenkins was available, right? Like every time they do this, I am so much smarter than everybody else. That's that's what they do, and it's just like, no, you're not. John, so, go to the next. So, one. Ian, who was your biggest mistake of the night? Fuck Mike Mayock, Mayock and John Gruden. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. Like, look, I understand if you like a guy, okay? I can't pretend that I know the difference between Alex Leatherwood and Christian Derrissaw. But one thing I do know is that all the people that I respect who do this for a living didn't have this guy in the first round. So what are we doing? I, I'm good if we trade out of the first round, but get a thing called value. Now, they did make up for it. They took the safety later, you know, who should have been a first round pick, fell to like 53. But anytime you get the chance to reach on a tackle in the middle of the first, after you reached on Ruggs last year, after you reached on Abrams and Josh Jacobs and the rest of them, like, I fucking hate being a Raiders fan. This is a clown show. Uh, no yeah. other, no other. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. It, it's almost like, and again, I'm, I'm with Ian. I, I don't, Alex Otherwood could be all pro. I have no idea, but agreed. It's almost like they don't, it's almost like the Raiders don't have a good feel for how the rest of the league evaluates these players. Correct. Very good so, point. You know, it's, it's not that Leatherwood's not going to be good. It's that Leatherwood, the, if the rest of the league thinks Leatherwood is a early second round pick, then why are you taking him at 17? Why not take them? Why not trade down or wait or or do? And they do this different. every year. That's the problem. Go, right? go yeah. back to the 2019 draft. What did they draft? Fourth, fifth overall. Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. Well, and this is the perfect example of what Ian was talking about before. Is call Cincinnati as you're sitting there at 17, hey. and be like, "Hey, you got a guy you like? Because I know I can get my guy at your pick. 35 and your two next year, 36 and your two next year. Can, I can get my guy." So, um, I'll just keep rolling. Uh, Cleveland Farrell. My God, I forgot about that nonsense. Mine was Denver passing on Justin Fields. Now, I could make an argument that San Francisco shouldn't have passed on Justin Fields and that the Jets shouldn't have passed on Justin Fields. I know that I'm – Ian has said – put it out on the Instagram – the Instagram. I'm like 47 years old or something. Put it out on IG that uh, that Zach Wilson is has star potential. Okay, great. He looks seven. But with Justin Fields, I know that the entire Aaron Rodgers thing broke that day and that you were the favorites. But 
If you don't get Aaron Rodgers and this is what you did, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Sertan isn't even starting for them right now. He's their insurance for next year when two of their corners have expiring deals. So, to me, that was the biggest mistake. Now, again, this is just us as people who enjoy watch football, study football, are on here having a podcast. Justin Fields could suck. He's going to the Bears. History does dictate that he is not going to be very good as a quarterback. However, Broncos traditionally do have some pretty good ones. So I just, I didn't get that. That's that's mine. My biggest mistake was Denver passing on Justin Fields. That was mine. And Carolina, by the way, should also be in that boat. Because in my opinion, they took the other corner. (laughs) I'll I'll piggyback on this because mine's the exact same, Sean. I've got three, three and a half teams. Detroit, Carolina, Denver. And I'm sorry, Tom's Philadelphia, all passing on um, Justin Fields. I think now, it is would you, absurd. You take him over Sewell with Detroit? Hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. I mean, if if you know, unless your unless your your goal is to win with Sewell and Jared Goff, or your your or your goal is to lose with Sewell and then draft one next year. But all by all accounts, next year's quarterback class isn't as good as this one. Who knows if it will be? But you know, you, you, you can't be preparing for a year down the road, right? You don't, you don't know where you're going to finish. Maybe you don't finish in a spot to draft the quarterback. There's a quarterback there on the board who I personally think is going to be very, very good, and you passed on. So and to me, all four of those teams, Philadelphia is my, is my half one because they traded up, and I thought, you know, personally I thought they should have traded up to, and take Justin Fields. But, um, you know, I, I think all four of those teams – I honestly, I don't have that big of a problem with him not going in the top three um, as much as I do all these teams that drafted right before the Bears not taking it. I mean, it's it's always still hard to justify taking a running back in the first round. Um, I mean, for me... Like not that Najee Harris pick to Pittsburgh. I mean, I even had Pittsburgh taking Najee Harris in my mock draft, which blows my mind too, because I hate myself for doing that. But I just I didn't like it, especially with what that team went through last year and where their old line ranks and and then not Lost getting on the waiver. Right. Like I mean, like Pouncey. you know, mm-hmm. you, Pouncey, yeah. you you had opportunities there to to, to build your old line there, right? And and I don't know. I, I didn't like that pick for me. Uh, it was Najee Harris. I am not a fan. Well, and then how about how about, how about the one right after Travis? That's, uh, well, because uh, I'm a, sure he's going to come up, Ryan. But and- I'm I'm just, I'm just going to as a comparison, right? So exactly what Tom's was saying. Travis Etienne was drafted in the first round by a team who just had a 1,200 yard rusher from a guy who wasn't even drafted. Right. So if, if there is a perfect example of why not to draft running backs high, it would be right James there. Robinson. Did, does yeah, this, they still drafted them high. Does this play into the common theme from, from this year's draft about drafting guys that went together at the same school? Like, I mean, does yeah. this, everyone's, dra- everyone's drafting their, their best picks, buddy. The, it feels like that's, what, that's right what I'm now. just saying. Right. Like we saw it, obviously, you know, see it with, with Etienne and, and Trevor Lawrence, we see it with, you know, Smith. Smith going to Philly with with Hertz, you know, Waddle with Tua, Chase with Burrow, right? Like we saw a lot of that in the first round. It was very interesting just, to see. Just just drafting buddies. But let's um let's get to this a little bit of fantasy. And we'll start here. The best, and what we want to try and limit this to, 
is the first and into the second round. Let's stay on the impact guys here. For fantasy purposes, what player landed in a spot to make the greatest impact tomes keep rolling? Well, for, for me, I, I think I could have went with any of the receivers in that first round. I, but I am gonna I am gonna stick with, with with Jamar Chase. I mean, the familiarity between playing with a guy that that you know you played with in college and and going to a team where you are now going to be. And I mean, I don't know, Ryan, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Is, is he not going to be the number one guy in the primary target for oh, when he gets there? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, for me, fantasy wise, I haven't taken a look at the updated rankings after the draft. I should do that, but I would I would be hard pressed to believe that he is not the top wide receiver ranked obviously out of all the first rounders this year out of running receiver this year and probably even a top I don't know top 10 top 15 guy going into the season right I mean I think he's the highest rated offensive player you know like if I was doing a rookie draft today Jamar Chase oh oh, yeah yeah, I I agree with that I'm not even sure it's remotely close like you know even if it's quarterback heavy league give me Jamar Chase over Trevor Lawrence anyone yeah. Jamar Chase, I completely agree. Completely agree. Are you detouring off of this, Ryan? Or are you? I am. Okay. I, I'm actually going back to the guy I just mentioned. I, I think the best landing spot is Travis Etienne. Because interesting. Oh, Show I, your work for, for year one. You're year just one. just this year. Year one. I'm By the way, you, I know I, for I, a fact that Murph is going to listen to this. He has picks one and two in our pool. When he hears you talk about Etienne this way, he's drafting him guaranteed. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you, uh, Travis Etienne to me is the best running back in this draft. He is um, a the best receiving back in this draft. He is a carbon copy of a guy like Alvin Kamara. I don't know if that will translate to the NFL. But if you're looking for an Alvin Kamara, you draft Travis Etienne. Urban Meyer, and I've watched a lot of Urban Meyer football games. He runs the ball. He uses his backs out of the backfield, and he loves number one guys. So from 2013 until his final year, which I believe was 2018 at Ohio State, he had a 1,000-yard rusher every year. One of those years, he had 2,000-yard rushers. Um, And he's just – when you combine Etienne with Urban Meyer, who runs that sort of – run spread offense with a potential generational QB. To me, it's the it, it, Travis Etienne could potentially explode. Are we not the least bit concerned about Robinson's role? Because but, and I'm not just yes. saying Robinson's like Robinson's role because Robinson is genuinely good, right? Like it's yeah. not like not- it, it's not one of those situations where you know, if Najee came in and was replacing James Conner, well, James Conner just, I mean, he's obviously not there anymore, but if he was, or in this case, Benny Snell, Benny Snell isn't good. So there's no worry to his workload. Well, well you know, when, when Alvin Kamara was drafted, you know why people bumped him down the draft list? Oh, because Ingram? You know, aren't we worried about Mark Ingram? And they both work. In, in Jacksonville, I'm telling you, Urban Meyer runs a system where they can get two running backs going. And, they can have them both on the field at the same time. Travis Etienne can get out on the flat. He's an excellent receiver. He's the best receiving back in this draft. I think where they drafted him tells me that they are going to use him in a ton of different ways, and he is going to be an absolute focal point right off the bat. Plus, he's played with his quarterback a ton, and his quarterback's going to know how he runs his routes. Um, and we just said the same thing about Jamar Chase, right? So, you know, Jamar Chase – 
it's been a year since he played with Burrow. Well, Etienne played all this past year with Lawrence. So I, I think Etienne is, in, is set up in a perfect spot with the perfect coach and the perfect quarterback. Hey, Ian, finish it off. Kyle Pitts. Yep. I mean, it's it's Kyle Pitts in an absolute slam dunk. Like, Atlanta is still a very fantasy-friendly offense, right? And I, and by the way, I kind of like Atlanta just as a team that's going to make some noise anyway. They lost all those close games last year. You know, Arthur Smith is a whole hell of a lot more confident than Dan Quinn. So I, I do think that 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 offense is something that we're going to watch. And, and part of the reason I love Pitts is because of – Obviously, his skill set. I mean, his skill set's elite. We don't need to get into that. But again, it's that circumstance. Atlanta did not add a running back in this draft class. So it is Mike Davis or Bust there. Now, I, I like Davis just fine, but I never have to worry about Mike Davis cutting into Matt Ryan's reps, right? Like he's going to be throwing a ton. Like he threw the ball last year 626 times. It's the second most in his career. So, you know, someone like Calvin Ridley, but 143 targets. Julio Jones was in the 60s. He was hurt. So let's say both those guys find a way to get 250 targets. There's still a ton of volume there. And add in Arthur Smith, loving to use his tight ends. I mean, this is just a slam dunk home run. And by the way, watching Kyle Pitts and Devin White run after each other, what is it, twice a year or four times a year, whatever it is, in interdivisional games is going to be unbelievable. Can I just throw this out? I, I don't disagree. This is the devil's advocate. I have never seen a rookie tight end have any kind of impact. Good, because he's a wide receiver who's playing tight Very end. Very fair. Exa- that's, that's exactly. <laughs> so at, right? at least we, we got that one out of the way. He's, he lined but up more outside than he did at tight end last year. Exactly. So that, that's, that's the argument against it. But if, if we're talking just pure tight ends, I've never seen it before. No, so. it, it, no, no. The, the track record's atrocious. And yeah. listen, this is the the drum that I've been beating, I guess, for a week. So it hasn't been, been beaten that long. But Devonta Smith has the chance to step in and be the most impact player in this draft in year one. Do you know why? Because in contact sports, you know what's hard to do? It's hard to get ramped up and back into playing shape when you haven't played in a in over a year. Jamar Chase, Wa- uh, uh, Waddle, Marshall. they haven't played. One's been hurt, one sat out. This is a problem. Will Jamar Chase be the best wide receiver in this, in this class? He probably will be. He probably will be. But what Pitts and Smith have going for them is they have dominated for a calendar year while the other two have not had that opportunity. Which is and, why and just I volume. It, Look at the volume that's coming. It's it and for for Pitts absolutely and like I'm sorry like the, the the Philly wide receiver core does not is bad scare me like Fulgham he had like six good weeks like, he doesn't scare me as I'm Devonta, Devonta Smith, Smith is going to make Jalen Rieger Full his goat. bitch in camp. He's just walking Full in there. Goat. His name is Travis Fulgoat. Whatever, man. Whatever. Like Jalen Rieger, like it was the guy you. No, took of course. I mean, he's going to get to be. He's going to be the number one guy, right? So You're to me, line him up the exposition, and he is the guy. It's to me, those those are the two guys. But I will say this: Steelers do not get skill positions wrong. So while all of us are shitting on the Najee Harris pick, do not be shocked that this dude is the number one running back in this class this year. Just they they normally don't get these things wrong. 
But let's position, let's transition to the worst fantasy impact in year one. And I want to say this, Ryan, you said Travis Etienne is going to have the best impact in year one. Can I say that he will, he, he will be the best running back in this class, or I believe he is coming into it, but that he will, that that's not even close. There's no chance that that's going to be the case. Is that fair for me to, to, to feel yeah. that? Go ahead. Okay, good. I was going to say Etienne, but he's going to get legs. He he's the connection with him and Lawrence. He's a great pass catcher. Again, the, Urban the Meyer, check down stuff. For it, sure. he, he's going to get stats. So he's yeah. not the guy. I'm not going to do go through a bunch of them. I'm just going to say this. The worst fantasy player in this year's draft. If we exclude the players who we assume won't play because there's a couple quarterbacks that won't play. I'm on the edge of my seat, dude. Oh, Tell my. me. Zach Wilson is going to be the worst quarterback, Ooh. the worst offensive player in this year's draft Ooh. for two reasons. And I'm, That's spicy I, meatball. I know that I've been a hater on Zach Wilson, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, he looks five. He's going to start. He's going to have growing pains. He's on a terrible team, and quarterbacks suck in their first year traditionally, right? Who has, the, what is the most interceptions by rookies, Peyton Manning, because of volume? Now, will he put up stats? Will it technically be the worst fantasy player? If you look at everything, and you, but by usage, not even close. It's going to be Zach Wilson. To me, this answer is easy. It's the, the answer is Kadarius Tony. Yes. And the fact that this guy went at 20 is its own abomination. It's its own abomination. The, the fact that, you know, you got Bateman sitting right there and – you on that team, right? I know they just brought in Galladay, but with Jones, like B- Bateman to me just felt like a better fit. You have the inside shifty guy with Sterling. You have Ingram. You have Slayton who's got speed. Give Jones two beasts to go get the football. Now, look, to me, I, I get the Tony thing. Game-breaking, you know, game-breaking talent. But we're talking about a guy who... I'm not sure would know a route tree if it hit him in the face, you know, very unpolished and look like let's go through their skill position players, right? Saquon Barkley's back guys, right? Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Engram. And oh yeah, they just gave Kenny Galladay like what? 70 million. Like where is he going to play? Right. And I think what we're going to see is, you know, giants fan in the New York, thing pumps him up and he'll fly somewhere in redraft leagues in like the eighth round and that's absolutely ridiculous this is this is a this is a no this is something you don't want to touch and i'll take it a step further in a lot of dynasty pools Kadarius tony is going to be a first round pick depending on how big your pool is that's not going to be fun in year one so unless they're changing Everything in New York by year two. The Kadarius Tony thing is just a, not a good place to be. The last thing I'll say on Tony, off the field concerns, got pulled over carrying an assault rifle, allegedly. Okay. And sounds not ideal. Daniel Jones. Like, yes. w- what else do we need here? Also, not ideal. Jones, a million weapons that play his position that are going to be better than him, better than him in year one. Unpolished route runner. So raw talent and off the field concerns. Like, well, how many boxes do you want me to check? Tom, do you agree? 
I, I, completely, I completely agree. And I was really thinking when they traded back down, I was like, okay, they're in a good position at that point to take Bateman. And I thought hundred percent, it was going to be Bateman. And when they did it, I was like, okay, well, this is no brainer. Baltimore's going to take him. And they did. I agree with everything you said there, Ian. That was going to be my pick. Elijah Moore went in second round. You can just get a guy later. I I do have another pick, though. And and I did pick two just in case. Hit me with it. And it's Trey Lance for me. I mean, you have a guy coming in who I'm assuming, you know, based off uh, of everything, you want to be your starter. But he's coming in with, what, 17 career starts at, 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 at North Dakota. I mean, he's raw. He's going to be a talented player, I think, just like that other guy that came out of North Dakota. We don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's going to need time, obviously. Like, like, like Sean, even like you said about, uh, about, um, Zach Wilson. about Zach Wilson. Man, I, I, love I think Lance. the only difference is, crazy. I, love I, think, I think the only difference is, unlike the Jets who are just an abomination, the the uh, the 49ers obviously have more tools and more weapons in place with guys coming back from injuries you know with and especially one of them being Kittle right like he's going to be having and Kittle probably as yeah but Kittle I think Kittle at the end of the day is a security blanket right so I don't know for me I'm still skeptical about him I, do I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL absolutely I think he's still raw I think he still needs time to develop and become a stable starter. And, but he's kind of getting thrown into the mix here. That's 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 it for me. Ryan, yeah, who's your guy? I honestly I could not decide on one, and okay, I'm just gonna go, on. I'm gonna go on a whole on a whole position list. Let's go. I'm gonna go all outside of Jamar Chase, all first round wide receivers, every single one of them, because to me, if, if we're talking about worst landing spots for fantasy wise for these guys, you're talking about Waddle is going to Miami. Two as their quarterback. I have no idea what to expect there. Smith is going to Philadelphia. Hurts is a quarterback. No idea what to expect there. Tony has Daniel Jones. No idea what to expect. And Bateman has Lamar Jackson, who is an established quarterback, but not a passing quarterback. So every single one of these receivers, I don't know what to expect from them because they don't have quarterbacks. They're known entities, right? These, these are all, Chase, guys, all, all His quarterback doesn't have a knee. There's that too. Well, yeah, there's that too. But like to me, I, I would probably lean Tony for the for the reasons that Ian said, just because there's a little bit more in his way, standing in his way from having fantasy relevance. But you know, as I watched Waddle and Smith, who I think you know, I, I think they're good enough to overcome eventually what I think are potentially poor quarterback situations. I was disappointed to see Bateman go to Baltimore because that's where first round wide receivers go to die. <laughs> so yep, they sure do. You know, I, they just you know. I just I think every single one of these receivers, I was just like, oh, this is just bad landing spots for all of them. It just it's crazy. I, I have to say he wasn't my guy. I'm I am as a Najee believer, I am unbelievably concerned about that. With that O line, with that offense, with that quarterback, with that style, I'm nervous about it. Unless Tomlin's gonna go back to ground and pound. Uh, and, and with that offensive line, how can you? Uh, that's one that I'm super concerned about that. It's not the worst, but I'm concerned. So this is different than the biggest mistake. And uh, I'll tee it up here. What shocked you guys the most? What made, whoa, what made you jump out of your seat a little bit? And 
I mentioned earlier the 15, the best 15 minutes of the entire night, the, the 10th and 11th picks just in general. But again, the teams that got up to get there and the players that they took to me were chalk, right? The Giants, the, the um, Eagles coming up to get Smith and the, you know, the, uh, the Bears coming up to get Fields. And hey, if, one of the, if that's one of your answers, apologies in advance, but that was the most exciting piece to me. The one that shocked me the most was Etienne. Even though everyone was like, it's Etienne going there, when they called his name, an audible gasp came out of my mouth. Because I'm like, why? Like we talked on this podcast a week ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually have a good foundation. Like I like what they have there at wide receiver. They're building that, that offensive line. Their defense was pretty good. I, I kind of like it. So that to me was a point where you just, you solidify a position of need, not the quarterback's roommate to me. That's what I felt. But Ryan, what shocked you the most? I mean, I don't know if I if it's shock. I, I, I'm going to go to the second round here um, because there's a whole slew of wide receivers that went in the second round, and every single one of them is like a little smart. He goes to the second round. Don't ever change. You're the best. Yeah. But, oh, like uh, I, I agree. You're the I, best. The, the, I agree. Sean Sean said one thing there, which which I agree with was the first round was pretty chalk. I was not really surprised by much in the first round. So in the second round, I'm watching all these little tiny receivers go. They're all like little slot guys, little gadget guys. And then Terrace Marshall, who I thought should have been a first-rounder, he goes after Tutu Atwell and Dwayne Eskridge and all these tiny little receivers. And all it reminded me of was two years ago when Arizona took Andy Isabella two picks before DK Metcalf. And I'm like, here's the only big receiver in this draft, the only big physical presence in this draft is at six-foot-three Terrace Marshall. And everybody's taking these small little guys ahead of him. I thought Terrace Marshall kind of surprised me how far he dropped. Go ahead, Thomas. What did you have an audible that's, gasp? That yeah, that's a great by the way, it's a great point. Yep. He's a thousand percent right. I agree. Mine mine was two teams that I had penciled in taking quarterbacks and back to back ended up taking quarterbacks instead. And that's Carolina and Denver. I mean, I, I had Carolina and Denver taking I, Carolina taking fields and I had Denver taking Trey Lance in my mock and, and they go back to back with, um, with, uh, JC Horn and, and, and Patrick Sertain. And I was like, wow. Okay. And then that's whenever they blew up for me and it's just like, okay, well, shit's about to go down now in the draft. And then obviously we know what happened next, but that, that was the biggest, the bigger shock for me, at least in, in that first round. Yeah. I, I mean, it's gotta be JC Horn, you know, like, you're sitting there and you're watching Carolina and you're like, okay, you're, you maybe, you know, I, I'm not convinced they're going to take quarterback because, you know, they traded for Darnold. Like you might as well see, right. Unless you believe fields is, you know, next level prospect, you might as well see what we have with Darnold. Like I'm not a believer, but he has shown something, you know? So I thought, you know, do they look at a tackle, um, you know, something, something, you know, in that regard, especially since, you know, they're, they're not great at corner, but they're not, bad either like it wasn't a glaring need as it was you know for sort of philly new york and and, and dallas um that one for sure and then uh, yeah certain right after and the reason i say that is because i had rashawn slater there and every guy i trust that i follow you know people you follow on twitter in denver had rashawn slater there so that's normally a good sign and they just completely shocked me but I, again i mean those are two great picks though like those are 
at the end of the day, we talk about, we always joke about, oh, best player available, best player available. What you're taking two guys who could potentially be all pro corners. Like at the end of the day, it's the chase argument all over again. I tried telling you, easiest pick in the draft. Sean Slater to the Chargers. Easiest pick in the draft. Uh, next one, really quick. The I don't know this guy award. Ooh, so who in the draft made you stand up out of your seat and go, who? Now, I'm going to back out of this because there was about 12 of them for me. So I will back out. But if I'm going to just pick one who I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm not backing out. Screw it. I'm jumping in. I had never heard, even in doing all my prep, and, and I know, listen, let, I'm not going to say it. I, I had never heard of Eric Stokes in my entire life. Like I tried. I had never heard of him. I'm sorry. I never heard of that guy. I, he sounds like someone who like works with your dad. Quarterback from Georgia. I hope he's good. Hey, power comp, power school. Hey, all the best to you, Eric. I, sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. Who's Ryan? Ryan's going to go last. I need Ryan to go last here. Yeah. Ian, who's your guy? My guy, it's, it's easy. I mean, it, it's Peyton Turner with New Orleans. And look, I, I think part of the reason I, you know, he was off was because I just never expected them to take defensive linemen. Like, it, it, you know, it was three years ago when they traded up with Green Bay for Marcus Davenport, gave up an extra first-round pick for no apparent reason. And, you know, Davenport has been okay. So I just didn't expect them to to double back down to that position. But, yeah, I mean, I, I had never heard of him. And part of the reason is because I, I never expected him to go there. When I'm researching, I'm researching for the first round you know, there were other guys that I had ranked above him. So he's definitely the one, you know, they, they sort of paid up for a developmental defensive lineman. It, it surprised me. That's my answer. Tom's who the fuck is that guy? Who's the award? <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's not like I didn't know him. I mean, I could have picked, you know, some of the tackles or some of the edge guys that like, I don't really know, but for me it was, <laughs> and, and maybe because I was just so focused on, 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 uh, on Sertan and some of the other corners, but for me, it was Farley. And then it was just so funny when he got picked and they pan to him and he's in his basement is what it looked like with some sort of weird sort of purse strap apparatus, whatever he was wearing, you know, throwing up with his hat and everything. He was so excited. I'm just like, I don't really know this guy. I mean, like I have him somewhere on this list. I got to look up. I got to watch that. Then I watch his tape and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's a yeah, he's player. Wild. He is a player. Yeah. Wow, he is a big boy. Yeah, big boy. To be fair, to be fair to Farley, he he was in quarantine during the draft. Is that what is that what it was? Okay, yeah, he was. So he, he tested I positive. Know. I didn't know. But I just, he he was supposed. To, oh my! I know this guy, Tomes. Like anybody picked one, I know because he was supposed to be one of the top corners picked, but he is in quarantine and he's hurt. I think. Yeah, he was hurt, and he, I think he opted out last year too. Okay, just just throwing strikes everywhere. Ian, and, he, got, yeah, and look, by the way, Tennessee's a team took a Dory Jackson, didn't work out in the first round. If they hit on Farley, like it's a game changer for that defense because that defense desperately needs it. Are there just like a half dozen teams that never can pick a corner, right? Because I feel like we went through this Cincinnati, Minnesota, Dallas, Oakland, or our Vegas, Dallas, uh, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. No, oh, my God. Now, Morris Tennessee. Oh, my God. Okay, Ryan, who the fuck I, is that guy? So, I mean, obviously, I watch college football probably more than the NFL. So, I, I've, I've heard of most of these guys. So, I, I kind of went a little bit different with kind of why did, why did you pick them there? 
Um, and, and the guy for that to me was Alex Leatherwood. And we've already talked about him, so I'm not going to go too, too far into it. But, you know, I, I, obviously, I, I know who Alex Leatherwood is. I never thought he'd go in the teens. So, like, he, for me, he was the one where I was like, huh? What, what, what was that all about? Can you, can you explain to me why there's any reason he would have went there? Like, talk to a Raiders fan and make me feel better. Why he would have – like I said earlier, I, I think that they just misread where these guys are valued. And maybe they try to trade down. I have no idea. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not – I don't, you know, profess to be someone who can uh, – Break down alignment the, tape? Yeah, grade down these alignments. So, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be an all-pro. But, you know, where he went is I don't, I don't think is where most teams would have taken him. To, to flip the script on that? The guy who I was like, when I turned my phone on 48 hours later and was completely shocked that, at where he went was uh, Owusu Koromoa, Koromoa the, the, the Notre Dame kid. I was yeah. shocked he got to 59. But Yeah. I mean, there's, there are some rumors out there that he had a heart issue. So that's kind of what scared people off. Well, that'll do it. And, and yeah. his size a little bit. Okay, so let's pivot here. And what we're going to do is we're going to do, we're going to do these last two questions really quickly. So... The first one, pick a QB based on their landing spot for the rest of their career. So coming into it, you may have ranked them higher or lower, but based on where they went, you're going, I'm taking them. You can, Ian, I'm going to default to you here quickly. Do we exclude Trevor Lawrence or is there a new landing spot that we might want to leave available? No, because there's one landing. No, leave Lawrence in because I think there's some that are super interesting. Okay, I'll take Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I'll let the guests finish, but my answer is, it's tough. Um, it was between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. And, but I am going to go the the reason I lean Lance, the Shanahan thing. Um, and the re, but the reason I'm going to go Justin Fields is simple. I don't love the, I don't love the coaching staff or the management staff in Chicago. So I, I do see that Thank potentially you. being an issue moving forward. With that said, Justin Fields has something that none of these rookie quarterbacks have. And none of these rookie quarterbacks have a number one receiver that's as good as Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is your favorite receiver, your favorite receiver's favorite receiver. He is, he is a no doubter number one. If you, all you have to do is go back. Go, I did this this week. It was amazing. Go back and watch Robinson's highlights with Bortles in 2015. And this guy is legit, like Chris Angeling the football somehow and going up and getting it. It's like, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is. And that type of person made Blake Bortles a pro bowler. Like that matters. And for a young quarterback to have someone that good on your team, just ask Kyler Murray as a young quarterback with DeAndre Hopkins last year. This stuff matters. This is, you know, with, with Fields' ball placement, and Robinson's unbelievable ability to go get the football, this is a chance to be unbelievably special. My only rebuttal is what you said. The fact that Nagy and whatever the GM's name Mace, is is still, is still there, hate that. Hate that. So, and you guys taking chalk, or are you guys going to jump off the board? Tom's. I'm going to jump off the board here. I'm taking Matt Jones. Oh! <laughs> 
Take Mac Jones. It's not even. It's, it's like, I'm serious. I'm not joking. Take Mac Jones. Guys going from the great one of the greatest college football coaches of all time to the greatest NFL one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time, and you don't think for a second that they're going to find a way to make things work for him and put a system in place. The guy walks like Bill Belichick does. For Hold on, race. I'm ta- I'm, ta- I'm taking He's my shirt off. Like Mac, Bill Mac, too. Mac Jones yeah, just is. Mac Jones just entered the podcast. Here it comes. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I feel like it's so, it's like a match made in heaven. Like, that's like the perfect Tinder match for Bill Belichick, was Matt Jones. <laughs> I'm serious. Bill Belichick yeah. swipe, right? Yeah, 100% he did, right? And I've, I've always been higher on him. I mean, I had him going a lot higher than that, too. But I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see what happens in New England with, with that right there. I think it's something that could definitely work out. Ryan, you swiping right on Matt Jones? No, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't trust New England in the supporting cast. But I mean, the guy that I have the most trust in the player is Justin Fields. I think he's going to be incredible. But the best landing spot, and I don't know how, as the guy picking last, I was the one to get this one is Trey Lance. San Francisco is just built differently than all these other teams picking high. There's no quarterback gets picked in top three goes to a team as ready to win as San Francisco. They've got receivers. They've even drafted some running backs, but and they've got one of the most creative play callers in the NFL. This is the absolute best spot for a, a rookie quarterback to go. All right. Only last one. note on those receivers is can any of them actually stay healthy? Right? True. Like Debo is always hurt. Always hurt. Ayuk was in and out. George that would Kittle. be my only concern. Yeah, George Kittle, Kittle but was hurt and was hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Last one. Favorite landing spot for Aaron Rodgers? Fuck it. Detroit. Mm. I'd love him there. <laughs> I'd love him there. I wanted to say Chicago. Chicago was going to be my go-to, just like flip fields and some stuff for Rodgers and just say, and just YOLO. And I know it's not possible. He's not going to Detroit, but I wanted to be different. He's not going Lions. in the division. Going no, let, no, let's go <laughs> in the division. I want to see that GM. Brian, whatever his name is. I want him slapping desk because Aaron Rodgers is coming. Come on. Someone someone, give me something other than the Broncos, please. Well, how nice, how cool would it be if he followed in Brett Favre's footsteps? To the Jets? No, to Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota <laughs> first. Right, right. Right? No, that's the Jets. No, I mean. You guys I, literally it, picked every it, NFC no, North in, team. In a perf- I mean, in a perfect world. <laughs> that's all I've perf- heard so far. In a yeah. perfect world, he was going to San Fran, right? in a perfect world, but obviously that's not going to happen. And I feel like it's just, I don't know. I feel like the only team left is Denver still. I really do. I got a good one. Have some I got good a good one, one too. Okay, and jump Go in. ahead, Ryan. No, go, Ryan, go. I'm going to say the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers is the Cleveland Browns. Ooh, yeah, I like that one too. Because Love he, that. he would go to a team that is ready to win right now with the really good defense, pass catchers. You can flip line. Baker. Yeah, they got the best offensive line. You can flip Baker in some picks and maybe throw, toss in maybe a defensive player to Green Bay. Green Bay doesn't walk away from this empty-handed. Baker's still a younger, you know, above-average quarterback, and I'd say that. That's you know, fair. Fair. But he's still a developing guy. Maybe he's going to be good. Maybe he's not. But and then Cleveland gets a MVP. I'm, I, as a Bengal fan, I don't want to see Cleveland get Aaron Rodgers, but I think that would be a fun place for him to go. I agree. That was definitely my AFC answer. 
I mean, outside of Denver. The one I really like is Arizona. Yeah, you, you told us me earlier. Yeah. Now, my only issue is, is, is that defense ready to win? I don't know that it's there yet. I think they need one more draft. But Kyler for Aaron Rodgers would be absolutely <laughs> fucking wild. I don't know. As a guy who has Kyler in fantasy, it would be really bad. I mean, Devontae Adams is great, but I don't trust Kyler playing in the cold. And look, like, it's okay if you're Arizona and you're not sure. Because it's completely fair to watch Kyler and, you know, he's so gifted. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I think the Rodgers for Kyler, just straight up, one for one, will be unbelievable. And I I don't understand what... what with the Solar and Rogers thing is everybody seems to say Denver or they say Vegas is another one I hear a lot. Why would Aaron Rodgers want to go for his twilight years and play in the same division as Patrick Mahomes the rest of his career? Like it just doesn't make any sense to now, me. Rich, why Rich Eisen to Rich Eisen did come out and say that in speaking with Aaron Rodgers' team that he welcomes that challenge and would love to beat Pat Mahomes twice a year in the division. <laughs> now, good luck, man. I have one more. Who says no? Aaron Rodgers for, for Lamar Jackson. No picks, nothing. Aaron Rodgers for Lamar Jackson. Who says no? I'd rather have Kyler. <laughs> Dude, what <What>? an MVP. <laughs> No, but am I wrong in that? I would like I didn't even blink. I'd rather have Kyler. And it's not because I don't think Lamar that, Jackson's awesome. I just think that when it become when it gets to January, you have to be able to throw the ball efficiently. You have to be able to get 8 yards. And we see that every year. It's why Tom Brady keeps winning is because when it when the chips are down and they need 8 yards, guaranteed he's getting it. I don't know. I got you guys thinking. I got you guys thinking. So I'm not, by the way, I'm not convinced Lamar mentioned. can do that. What was that, Tom? No, no, no. I agree with what you said, Ian. But there I'm is not one convinced. more that, that nobody mentioned. And that's going to Jeopardy. Oh, he could go to Jeopardy. Saying chow? Just saying, you know what? Too bad. See ya. Well, he's not, he's, make... not, he's, not making, he's not making 40 million a year doing Jeopardy. No, but he, what was Trebek pulling in his last couple of years? He's pulling in 10. Mil? No. 10? No, I was looking it up. He was making 10 mil a year. A 10 mil Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers is going to Jeopardy. So let's <laughs> rest in peace, King. Alex Trebek. <laughs> the best guy, man. Let's daily double on this. We we finished the entire football scene. So I, I just want five minutes here, Ian. Humor me on this. There is a real possibility that the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens could face each other for the first time in the playoffs for decades. So my question to you, Tomes is do you want to finish third or do you want to finish fourth? Knowing everything that you know about the Toronto Maple Leafs first round, their dismal record, knowing everything that you know about the current construction of the team, and knowing everything you know about your team, do you want to play Edmonton or do you want to play Toronto? I want to play Edmonton. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that this year. I mean, we've, we've fared well against Edmonton this year. We've done a decent job, I would say, at, at shutting down their one-two punch between – you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I think it's a team that we just straight up, just, just we match up better against them this season than we do against the Leafs. 
And if not, you know, forget about, you know, injuries aside and Katie Primo playing tonight and everything. I mean, just look at all the games against, we had no business winning any of the games that we did win against Toronto this year. And this, you know, even especially that, that, that overtime comeback uh, the other night, I, I just, I honestly think, you know, this is a league team that is, is finally potentially dare I say built to, to actually go on a run here and get, rid of those demons in the closets and with some of the guys that they've added. I think one of the most important guys in that team is someone that may not even play come game one. And that's Joe Thornton. I mean, he's going to bring, whenever he is called to go over that ice or over that bench on the ice, he's going to bring it game in game out, whether he plays every game or not, but he's going to do whatever it takes to help, you know, push that team over and above. And I I honestly think that team is finally built to, to potentially go on a run. here. There's a lot of tough decisions to make with the May plays. I can guarantee you that Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton will both be in the lineup every night that Sheldon Keefe has had every opportunity to sit those guys. He is not, they are going to play. I think that you're being too hard on the Canadians. I think that there have been many games this year, win or lose where the Canadians have outplayed the Maple Leafs. And I am scared to death to play your team. The one thing that I have that I am hopeful of is you don't have a goalie. If Price doesn't come back, there's – I mean, listen, even, all credit – Even all with credit, Price. Well, no, with all, price. all credit to Jake Allen, man. I mean, like, the guys come in and, and done a great job. I mean, they, uh, you know, went out and got, you know, goalie where we're spending $15 million on goalies, <laughs> right? And, and, well, I mean, listen, I, I think the biggest thing is this is a team that caught lightning in a bottle to start the season. They started off hot. But if you look at their history, they'd have always started off well. Right. Especially, you know, those first 10, 12 games of a season. And and this is a team now that's run into some issues on both ends of the ice in terms of scoring and defending. Whereas, you know, even earlier in the season, when they weren't scoring that many goals, even you know, aside from playing Vancouver, uh, this was a team that was, you know, solid with their three pairings on the back end. And it's been a little shaky as of late. And Cole Caulfield looks like a player. Cole uh, Caulfield, baby. Ryan, any notes on the North Division before we sign off? Um, no, I, I honestly, I think the North, from what I've been watching, the North Division is going to be in for a little bit of a rough ride once they get down and play some of the other divisions. I think there's, it's just not, a, there's not enough physicality in the North Division. I don't think the teams are as good. I think, you know, I was watching Minnesota play last night. Minnesota is a scary, scary team, and they're, they're in awesome. third place. Yeah. They are fun, such a fun team to watch. And they're in Minnesota, Colorado, first round, and then the winner would probably get Vegas. Ooh. That division was going to be a gauntlet. How about that Caprizo? Oh, he is so fun he to watch. Some, he is something else. He's got the league talking about trying to change the rules about who can be rookie of the year. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Ryan. And I think that two things are fair here. And Ian, I want to give you the last word on one thing that you mentioned this week because I thought I thought it was really important. One thing that I will say about this, I think that Two things can be can be true. I think the Leafs are the best team in the North Division. Obviously, they're they're leading that division, but I think that their standing in the league is about right. They fluctuate from fifth to eighth, somewhere in there of the entire league. So they have a shot at winning. I don't think that they should be favorites. I think that both of those things can be true. But Ian, you mentioned something this week about the divisional hockey that we've seen this year. And I'd like you to kind of bring that point forward, pose it to Tomes as someone who's watched every single night, and then we can sign off. I can't get on board. And, like, I can't 
get into it. And I think part of the problem is it's not that the product is bad because the teams and the players are better now than they've ever been. It's, it feels repetitive. And I know it's obviously repetitive. You're playing the same teams, but you know, you, you sort of turn on your TV and you're like, Oh, Leafs play tonight. Cool. Oh, they're playing the Canucks again. Right. Oh, we're playing Winnipeg for the fifth time in a row. You know, so, and I get like, Hey, they're doing their best. It's not, it's no one's fault. So I just mean from the product, all of the games look the same. So when you play in the North division, well, other than, you know, Montreal and I guess some nights Winnipeg, right? Everyone typically plays the same. It's, it's you know, skill first, speed, everything else. And that's not a bad thing. But part of the thing you miss is, well, it's Thursday night and the Leafs actually have Tampa. Oh, Tampa's big and fast. Okay, this is going to be different. You know, or, hey, we got Boston tonight. We know it's going to be, we know it's going to be a bar fight. Or, hey, you, you play Minnesota. It's going to be all speed. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's no fluctuation. And I think that that's part of the fun, right? But part of being a championship team is being to be all three different teams at once. And I think, it, you know, particularly this is particularly true in the North Division, but everywhere is what you're going to see is it's hard to pick out what, who the true contenders are because we haven't seen them outside of that shell in a year. And, and when you get to the playoffs, like you need the reason Tampa Bay won last year is because, okay, you play Dallas. All right. Th- this is going to be a little more physical than you're used to. I can win that way. You know, oh, we play. I don't know. Someone small trap, and fast. Trap, no, we're playing trapping Columbus. Okay, we right. we, we can crash exactly. the middle of the ice. Yes, we right. play Carolina. Exactly. We can play run and gun. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, part of winning is learning to play all those different ways. So I do think, and it's not just the North Division. I do think you are going to have teams that are going to struggle with that. The North Division is going to struggle with that, and that's part of the reason. I just I haven't been able to jump in with both feet because that's part of the fun. Everything's different. Yeah, every, I, every I, team's. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. No, all I was going to say is I think it would have been more palatable with fans because of yeah, the true hatred absolutely. of yeah. the other teams within this division. I think it would have been more palatable, palatable yeah. with fans. Tom's, I'll give you the final word here, and then we're going to. Yeah, no, I'll be I'll be quick. I just wanted to say, I mean, Ian, you nailed every point in the head there. I mean, it's you get to a point like you said, like okay, like let's just start the playoffs already. Like I'm sick of playing Ottawa or Vancouver, whatever. Right. right. I think one thing for me, I I, I want to see a happy medium between pre and post lockout schedules. And what I mean by that is obviously the league went into a direction where you are now playing every team at least twice, one home, one away, just to help broadcast some of the superstars in this league. And I, I understand their approach. The one thing I do miss is, you know, that, 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 you know, that Eastern conference, you know, that North division or the West division, where, where you are playing teams in your division five, six, seven times a year, rather than playing them, you know, three, four times a year, you know, and I get there, I get with that. You're not going to get to see every team home and away in, in, but you know, that's, that goes back to those Leafs um, senators rivalries of the early two thousands, the, the Boston uh, Montreal rivalries of the 2010s. Like I miss seeing that. Right. I don't know if the, these, these divisions this, this year have helped necessarily bring that back. Like I still don't, you know, I mean, Leafs Habs will forever be Leafs Habs, right? But I, I just think that 
I don't know. It, it's changed teams' their approaches in terms, and I, I mean, Ryan, and, and you can definitely speak to this in, in preparation, scouting report, and watching film. I mean, it's you're you're like you said, you're not playing a team like Colorado, for example, where you have to go up against that size and that scale and that speed, or like you said, Sean, where you're playing a team like Columbus or New Jersey, who's going to sit back, trap, and and try and play more of a slow style possession game, right? So I, I miss seeing all aspects of the game. That's all. I think a lot of the rivalries that you mentioned there, though, are built in the playoffs. But what I do think that the league can do is learn from this. Take the positives that come out of this. Find the negatives that were there before. Most most importantly, probably playoff format. And figure something out from this. But this was amazing, guys. It was great just to have you all back on. um, Talking football. Kentucky Derby. A little bit of hockey. Ian, thank you for indulging me on the hockey at the end. But uh, Tomes, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Ian, why don't you sign us off, buddy? Thanks to the boys for coming back. Felt good. Got to say, got some NFL talk. And unfortunately, we're probably six months until we talk about, or maybe not six months, but four or five months until we talk about the NFL again. Um, So I'm going to miss it, but I'm glad I got to spend it with you boys. Everyone, make sure that you're staying safe out there. We're almost through it. Let's stick together. Please, everyone, just continue to wear your mask. Let's get through this.